Are there any sounds associated with the show? Oh, isn't there like a dun-dun-dun or something like that? This podcast features explicit language and spoilers. Hello, and welcome to Better Late Than Never, a podcast where my guests and I expose ourselves to art that we have never seen before. My name is Dave, and I'm your host, and this week I am joined by regular guest Dan. Dan, hello. How's it going, Dave? Pretty well. This is a very special episode of this podcast we had something else planned but i set that aside because well let me set the scene dan you and i are friends correct correct so peeling back the curtain a little bit the two of us were hanging out as friends do watching a movie as friends do when seemingly out of nowhere you turned to me, you looked me in the eye, and you said something. And that thing that you said to me was arguably the most shocking revelation I have ever heard from anyone in my entire life. Would you like to tell the audience what it was that you told me that day? Uh, sure. I, for- I honestly forget how it came up it it didn't come up at all you just i mean there must have been something that prompted me you just said it yeah i will i don't know what inspired me also i'll put it that way um i was just like oh i have never seen any episodes of law and order before what well i i I believe what i actually said is what do you mean (laughs) by that what do you mean by that what do you mean what do you mean you've never seen Law and Order? What do you mean? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's, I guess it's strange because strange. I, I, guess I, I suppose I, I consume a lot of like TV and like film media. Do you consume being alive? Like, have you lived on this earth? Over I mean, the past- I'm aware of the show. I just like never really uh, decide to watch a full episode. You, you haven't watched any of it? Not one of the spinoffs? Not any of it? No, and I'm not even sure I've really, like, caught chunks of it. Like, I mean, it's obviously, like, been... I've, like, flipped past it or something like that, but I've never... I don't think I've even, like, watched, like, you know, oh, I'm just going to watch 15 minutes, and then it didn't interest me, and I turned it off. Like, I don't remember doing any of that. How did this happen? This show... Law and Order is on all the time there is no hour of the day where law and order in one form or another isn't playing somewhere 
Well, I'll say that I'm like fairly deliberate with my TV choices. Now, that's not to say if I catch something that I already like and it's interesting that I'll, I'll like I, I will watch that. Um, but I'm usually not just like, oh, let me find something random that's on. You've never and just then, put the TV on in the background while you're doing your laundry. Uh, I mean, I won't say I've never done that, but like, it's not something I like do. You just, this is honestly the strangest thing you've ever said. I mean, part of me thinks it's because it's like so universal that it just seemed a little dismissible to me. Like it was like, oh, it's just like a billion spinoffs. And like, it just seemed like, well, it's just like one of those shows that's just like on. And so it's not like something special that I was like, I got to watch this. But you never even thought about giving it a chance? I mean, you know what part of the problem is that I, since I don't know a lot about the show and I can speculate now or later if you want, but like, I'm sometimes hesitant to jump into the middle of shows that I'm not familiar with because I don't know if I'm like going to be missing something. And so like, I like to start shows like from the beginning. Now that obviously was different when I was a kid, but like, especially now with like how TV is often structured. Yeah. Like I just never, you know, it was like, Oh, I gotta like, you know, cause I, so I watched the Sopranos late in life, which is by the way, you shouldn't give me giving me any shit because Dave, the guy who runs this podcast hasn't seen, hasn't watched the Sopranos. Let me tell you something. Arguably crazier. Now, let me tell you something. Yeah, I really need to catch up on The Sopranos. It is a hundred billion times stranger that you have never seen a single episode of Law and Order. It is like on a par <laughs> with saying that you have never had a glass of water to say that you <laughs> have never seen Law and Order. Like it, it, it boggles the imagination. Well, I, if there I was can, a comment section. I'd be curious what the audience thinks. Scarcely comprehend this right now. So anyway, uh, after I, you know, was revived and uh, picked up off the floor, I said, fuck whatever it is that we were planning on doing. We have to record an episode on this right away. And so that is what we are doing right now. Um, I threw out our normal format because this is going to just be a very particular special episode because fuck what we normally do. This is, I, I can't even think straight, but what I've done here for you today, Dan, is I have created a list of questions about the television program law and order to explore a little bit about just how much you may or may not know about the show. Okay. And after we're done, we can, you know, have our normal kind of discussion and you can tell us anything else that you may or may not want to get down before we go into the watching and the usual stuff. But these are some quick, you know, kind of like trivia questions that I've just thrown thrown down here that I want to ask you. Okay. I'm ready. I love trivia. All right, cool. So let's begin. Dan, what is the show about? Well, even from the title, I assume it's about like cops solving cases. Um, yeah, and, and then maybe putting people in jail or finding out they didn't do it and letting them off. Okay. What are the people represented by? 
You mean like lawyers? I, I actually don't know. I understand the, the question, maybe. Okay. Is that what we'll you meant? Skip. We'll pass. Okay. We can pass that question. Who is on the show? And you can answer either in the form of characters or actors. Uh, well, there's. I know there's lots of versions of this show. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure... I would like recognize certain actors that are on the show. If you were to be like, Hey, a, B or C. Um, Cause I'm like, I can like picture some things, but I like off the top of my head. I'm not sure. I mean, like part of me wants to say Michael Chiklis, but that's like, I think that's the shield. Um, so I think he's not on the show, but that was like an instinct. Um, but yeah, I feel like I, there's like one guy that I like really know is on the show, but I like can't think of his name. Can you describe him physically? Oh, he's like, ugh, I'm bad at this in general, but like, st- like stocky white guy. Oh, wow. It's entirely possible that is the case. Yeah. A stocky white guy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Where does the show take place? Oh, I don't know that. Chicago? I, I'm, that's a guess. I don't, I don't really know. Okay. What is the formula? Oh, um, see, this is gets into like, if I was, I I wasn't sure if the show's episodic. Well, let me preface this then. Is the show serialized or episode of the week? I think it's episode of the week, but that's a guess. Okay. So now... What is the formula? So uh, just a guess, it's there's a crime, mm-hmm. starts off with the crime, and then they go to investigate it, and then they talk to the victims, they do the detective work, and then they like figure it out, and then they like nail the guy and and like they bring it to the prosecutor who probably is like also working on with the cops that are like regulars on the show, and then they charge the guy and they you know, send them to jail. Are there any sounds associated with the show? Oh, isn't there like a dun 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 or something like that? There's like a, like there's like, I, I recognize it. I'll put it that way. You don't want to take in a, a crack at uh, it? I, I don't know if I can like recreate it with my mouth. Like, is it like when I picture like the Law and Order like emblem and it's like uh like a kind of a direct like sound like i'm not sure what it is but i i just just try just try okay hold on let me think for a second um no i don't know i don't know i i can't do it it doesn't have to be perfect yeah i can't remember if it's like one beat or if it's like a like a, a triplet or something Hmm. okay okay are there any tropes associated with the show oh i mean i'm sure there are but i don't know any of them okay you don't know any no i don't think so any like recurring motifs or things that happen frequently well i guess like Maybe the first guy they think of isn't the real killer or criminal. 
but then they figure it out after. But, you know, that just seems like storytelling one-on-one kind of thing. All right. Because it is like a detective-based show. I'm pretty confident about. How confident? Well, I mean, it's... So it's either about cops or about lawyers, but my guess is it's about both. Okay. How does Law and Order get its ideas? Oh, I don't know. Do they use real cases? I just figured since there was so... I know there's like... It's like a really... Like it's been a super long running show, if not like the longest. And I assume they're just like random writers just come up with random stuff all the time. Hmm. But... Well, yeah, I didn't ever really thought about that. If they did use real cases, is there like a particular phrase that might be associated with doing that? Oh, I mean, like borrowing, like um, fictionalizations. Okay. Okay. Now we're going to ask some more meta questions here. I guess that was a meta question, but how long has Law and Order been on TV? Oh, it's it's I know it's been a long time. Like 30 years. All right. Well, I'm not even going to wait for a part 2 on this cuz I want to shame you on some of <laughs> the fact that you've never seen this show. So, Dan, the original series of Law and Order. Okay. And we'll get into the fact that there's more than one. Ran from 1990 until 2010 for 20 seasons and 492 episodes. I think my 30 years is a pretty good guess then. Now, Dan, how many law and orders are there? Oh, I know there's a special victims unit okay. and maybe multiple. Mm-hmm. And there's a regular one. Mm-hmm. I Again, this is a guess. I just know those exist because I know that SVU is really popular. And SVU, again, stands for? Special Victims Unit, I think. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, that's yeah, correct. Yeah. yeah. Um, What's a Special so Victims Unit mean? I know it's like sex crimes and stuff like that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm guessing there's about four different versions of the show around that. Okay, four? Four is your guess? Yeah, I mean, part of me is like, oh, I bet there's like they do in different cities and stuff like that. Um, but like, you know, I think well, there might be a Miami version. I don't know. I'm going to answer it for you right now. Including the original flavor, there are seven spinoffs. Oh, wow. There's SVU, Criminal Intent, Trial by Jury, L.A., True crime, organized crime, and the yet to debut hate crimes. Oh, do they all have Law and Order in the title? Or are they yes. just okay? Right. Law and Order colon yeah name. There is also the TV movie Exiled, Law and Order Exiled, and Dan five video games. Oh no, I didn't know that. Neither did I. I actually am not sure what a Law & Order video game would look like. Probably really boring. So now for the last few questions, we're going to focus on SVU for a second. Okay. So we already uh, established what SVU stands for. 
How, Dan, is SVU different? The only thing I thought was different was that they're focused on sex crimes. But that's I feel like it's the same format otherwise. Okay. Who is on that show? Oh, no idea. Either characters, actors, got nothing? Oh, you know what? I remembered someone who's on the show. Is Ice-T on the show? Or Ice Cube? Fuck. Which one? Oh, God. One of them is on the show. Um, it's it's Ice-T. It is Ice-T. Yes. Nailed it. Well, let me also ask you, Dan... What do you know about a character called John Munch? Nothing. I don't think I've heard the name. Well, do you remember a show called Homicide, Life on the Street? Oh, yeah. It's a great show. Well, so the actor Richard Beltzer played, okay, I know a de- yeah, he played a detective on that show called John Munch. After Homicide ended, Homicide and Law and & Order had a couple uh, crossovers over the years. And so John Munch appeared on those crossovers. And then after Homicide ended, John Munch, the character, was imported onto SVU, where he continued playing that character. Oh, so it's the same universe. It is the all law the and same. Order, the Law and Order universe. universe. Yeah. John Munch has appeared, or I should say Richard Beltzer has appeared as the character of John Munch in 22 seasons of TV, seven of Homicide, 15 of SVU, making him the second longest running primetime live action character of all time. It's a good gig. Yeah. He is behind only Mariska Hargitay, who plays Olivia Benson, who is the main character of SVU. Oh, 23 seasons. As of this recording, 502 episodes, 517 if you count crossovers. Man, that's incredible. That is a good gig, is it not? Yeah. You have some stamina. (laughs) She's She's been playing that character since 2001. So that's all I had for uh, questions, Dan. Um did you have anything you wanted to uh, get across that you think you know about Law & Order? Yeah, I think there's one thing I know about the show that I think is famous about the show. Okay. And I feel like I learned it in like a South Park episode or something like that. There is... So now I'm actually questioning myself. Either they say the word or show a male butt... I can't be just saying ass, but maybe it is. There's something like that in a law and order that was like scandalous at the time and like sort of broke ground for TV. And I think that's a thing of trivia that happened in law and order. Um, we can look that up, but I believe you are thinking of NYPD blue. Oh, you might be right. Yeah. I don't think I know the difference between those shows. Okay. I've never seen that either. <laughs> yeah. Um, that sounds about right. Yeah. NYPD You can Blue. see how I'd confuse, having never watched the show, confuse those shows. Can you just continue to explain to me how this happened? 
Well, they seem so like generic, right? It's like the same show over and over. Like you even suggested it. There's like a formula. So I'm like, what's the point? It's just the same thing over and over again. Yeah. Well, you and don't I'm not know saying that, that it's going to be. That's true. I I'm not saying that it's a bad show, but I'm just saying it's like it's like obvious and maybe it's great maybe it's great i'm sure there's obviously something to it i'm not one of those like oh if it's popular it's bad people honestly dan law and order kicks ass particularly uh the episodes of law and order that um i have picked out well actually let me take that back a little bit so let me tell the audience what we're doing and actually you a little bit about what we're doing here let me just say one more thing sure there's also something i didn't know about the show that you confirmed to me before this podcast mm-hmm. i didn't know how long the show ran and i don't mean like length of seasons i mean like i didn't know if it was a half hour or hour or something in between show uh so yeah, yeah. it is an hour-long primetime drama which but with commercials the commercials out that's like 40 to 45 minutes okay i think that also sort of like dissuaded me somewhat from watching it just randomly you don't like hour-long primetime dramas? No, I, I think hour-long shows can be great, but usually I like them like, you know, when it's like falls a long story, like a, like a Sopranos or Game of Thrones kind of thing. Mm. Like usually if I want like episodic TV, like I just want like a quick 30-minute episode because I'm just like, you know, it's popcorn, right? I just want that. Let me see. Well, to explain how we're going to be dealing with this show... We're not going to be watching the whole thing. Thank God. We'd, we'd be dead. <laughs> Honestly, uh, there because I watched so much TV in my day, there was probably points in time where I'd seen like almost every episode. But, the you know, they just kept making them. So <laughs> those days are long gone. But I wanted to pick out episodes that weren't necessarily the best per se, but were representative of what the show was and representative of what the show was across a few different eras of the show. Because as it's been on for so long, it's gone through multiple different casts, multiple different, you know, eras. So I've picked out three episodes of original flavor with Law & Order and one episode of SVU. And that's what we're going to do. Sounds good. I like it. Yeah. So we're going to do... Season three, episode four, The Corporate Veil. Oh. Season nine, episode one, Cherished. Season 14, episode 23, Caviar Emptor. And SVU's season five, episode 20, Lowdown. Oh. Yeah. And so... We are going to go watch those, and then we're going to come back and find out, one, whether or not anything that you said about the show was accurate, or two, what you thought of Law & Order after missing the entirety of it all this time, which again, Dan, what the fuck? Sorry. Oh. All right. Any last uh, last thought? This is your last chance to get something down on record before we go watch it. I'll say that I think I'll enjoy it reasonably enough. Part of me is hoping I don't like love it because then I'm like, oh my god, there's so much to watch. You've been missing out on it for so long too. Yeah, you could have been watching. But I think it it's your gonna be fine. Like, I've watched other shows that follow. They're like police procedurals and like you know lawyery things, and like they're fun. What's you the know, one like, that you've liked? 
Um, well, this is not episodic, but like um, uh, Justified is one of my favorite shows oh, of all time. Oh my god, be still my heart. There's also a show, and I'm like, unfortunately, I'm blanking on the name, and I'll maybe I'll get it for when we come back up. But um, there was a Netflix show recently. I think it's Netflix that was like maybe British. Um, Broadchurch. It, no, no, it's it basically the premise is I don't know if you've seen it or not, but like they go into a um shoot what do they call it? like a um interrogation room oh uh yeah criminal yeah that is actually sort of a spin-off of law and order some people did it there was also a law and order uk okay I should mention yeah which but starred... the criminal show if assuming we're thinking the same thing yeah. i enjoyed that yeah well and criminal was it was a show with a formula so clearly you do like shows sometimes when they have and yeah, I, I never thought that I would like hate the show or something like that. That wasn't why I avoided it. Uh, Law and Order UK, by the way, starred Jamie Bamber, who is Apollo on uh, Battlestar. Oh, nice. I'm going to guess there's a lot of, I mean, we won't necessarily figure this out for a four episode run of this, but um, I'm guessing they, it's one of those shows where they could have a lot of guest stars and like maybe celebrity guest stars occasionally. Oh, my but, Dan. <laughs> yeah. Every guess. actor in Hollywood has moved through that show at one point or another. Right. All right. Well, I think that's enough of the pre-show talk. Let's get down to business and check out Law and Order. I'm ready. Dun dun. Oh yeah, I, I knew that. I yeah, I remember. Watching the show. And now it's done. Okay, and we are back to this cursed production of Better Late Than Never. Oh my god. Uh, so, much like an episode of Law and Order, this episode of the podcast took a lot of twists and turns. Uh, where we wow. started, yeah, where we started had nothing to do with where we ended up, but uh, we still managed to pull something together. Yeah, I mean, if I wasn't like basically, if I didn't basically have to listen, watch these episodes, I don't think I would have because it was so much effort just to watch three episodes of Law and Order. Yes, uh, yes, indeed. Sorry about that. I didn't realize it was going to be such a struggle. But um, so to pull back the curtain a little bit, what turned out happening was uh, I had picked four episodes for you to watch, three of original flavor Law and Order and one of SVU, because I felt that these were really good, really representative episodes of the show. I had looked in advance to confirm that Law & Order was available to stream online, and I thought, great, we're going to be able to do this. What I did not realize, however, was that only particular seasons of Law & Order are available to stream online, or I should say particular seasons of Law & Order are available to stream for regular plebes like us, because some of them can be streamed provided you are signed up to, like, Fubo or Peacock or all these various and sundry stupid ass streaming services that cost like $70 a month 
to be a part of. So we spent like two hours trying to get the episodes we wanted. Yeah, it wasn't like we were just looking to like just stream them for free either. We're like, okay, let's just go buy the episode on Amazon Prime or YouTube or iTunes. And no, you couldn't even buy them if you wanted to. Yeah, they just straight up weren't there. And so we ultimately went ahead and just did different episodes. And we wound up doing two regular Law and & Orders and one SVU. And we got the SVU we wanted. And the episodes we did were fine. And we'll talk about those in a second. But I, I just want to say, you, you saw perfectly ordinary episodes. And that's good. You know, these... Episodes that we saw can be said to be perfectly representative of the show in general. However, this show, like all shows, had a golden age. You know, uh, whether serialized or not, and I think you have now discovered that Law & Order is not a serialized show. Uh, it did have a peak of quality. And I think a lot of people will agree that the peak of quality came uh, with a certain cast. And so the platonic ideal of a Law and Order episode has a particular set of characters. And in my opinion, that would be Jerry Orbach as one of the detectives and either Benjamin Bratt or maybe Jesse L. Martin as his partner. Essie Potha Merkerson as their lieutenant, and then definitely, definitely, definitely Sam Waterston as Jack McCoy prosecuting the case. You oh, did I definitely, yeah. I definitely saw him in an episode, and I definitely, once I saw him, I was like, oh, I know he was in Law and Order. Yes, you like, did catch that, yeah. Sam Waterston in an episode, but at that point he was serving as kind of the older, wiser, advising district attorney. Yeah. Not as the ADA trying the case. He had moved into a different role at that yeah. point. Well, you really, a, yeah. Right. I just have a sidebar, especially, it really struck me with Sam Watterson, especially. But I don't know if anyone else has noticed this, but so watching like uh, uh, some various timelines of Law and Order now, um, have you noticed that uh, their casting is very eyebrow centric? <laughs> Actually, no. I mean, so like you got Sam Waterston, amazing eyebrows, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, Chris Noth, is that his name? North or? Noth. Yeah, Chris Noth, right? He's got some quality eyebrows there, too. He's like, it's almost like a younger Sam Waterston eyebrow in the making. I see it. I see yeah. it. And even uh, Richard Beltzer, I mean, he's got some quality eyebrows. It's a little harder to tell because he's, he's probably never been seen without transitioning sunglasses on. <laughs> but like underneath them. <laughs> There's some there's some real eyebrows there. Uh, so, Jerry Orbach too has some yeah, good ones. I mean, right? th this is a good observation, Dan. Yeah, I mean that's the that's the first first thing I noticed. I mean, you should be a detective on Law and Order. Yeah, I think it's the small details, right? Yeah, it's good detective work. Yeah. Um, I want to take a moment too to throw out too about Sam Waterston as Jack McCoy. The other thing uh, about his tenure as the ADA is that. There would be no particular person serving as his number two. It would just be any one of a revolving door of 
uncomfortably hot younger women serving as his assistant uh oh. second ada yeah. in all of these starting with jill hennessy and then moving on to just always a much younger much hotter younger woman serving as the uh number two in the uh lawyer part of the show it became nice. kind of a joke Okay, it's part of the formula. So long story short, um, basically what has happened here is that it's kind of like you've checked out episodes of The Wire, but you haven't seen any that feature Stringer Bell or Omar. Right. You know, and I know that's a serialized show, but it's just an analogy. Sure, sure. I, I, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's a shame, but we've done what we can. So let's get into talking about it. Dan, how did you feel about how your predictions worked out? You know what? It's hard for me to even remember what my predictions were. I don't think I was like wildly off, but like I certainly didn't get everything right either. No. Dan, do you remember uh, predicting that Law and Order takes place in Chicago? Oh, no. But so I, I, I knew that was like I knew it take, took place in different places, but it's obviously New York. And that's very clear from right from the start. Um, I should have guessed New York. That's way more obvious. It's just also like. It's a TV show, you know, it's probably, was it actually filmed in New York? Uh, mostly. I mean, parts of it, I'm sure, are not filmed in New York. Uh, oh, a another thing I wanted to mention, too, was that um, the episodes that I picked out, too, I picked one, at least, to feature an appearance from one of my favorite recurring characters, which is the uh, government's uh, clinical psychiatrist, who is Dr. Skoda, played by J.K. Simmons. Oh, okay, Law and Order yeah. being the first show that I ever came across J.K. Simmons. Oh, wow. Jeez, I'm trying to think if I noticed J.K. Simmons. He wasn't on it because we didn't get those episodes. Oh, oh, it wasn't. Yeah, okay. I was going to say, I feel like he's so on. I mean, another another eyebrow casting right there. Yeah, I always loved him in this role. And so I'd always been like very interested in his career. And the fact that he's blown up in recent years, too, I kind of feel like, you know, like I was into him before he was big. So. Yeah. Now, I mean, now, there's a lot of people on even just these three episodes. I was like, oh, I recognize that person. I recognize that person. I had to like check. I had to like, you know, do some Google work to like notice where they're from. But they're like they definitely cross over to a lot of other TV shows I've seen. Oh, hell yeah, they do. So let's talk about uh, the first one we did, which was episode 18 of season two cradle to grave now yeah it starts off as they all do with a cold did, open baby. yes it did baby a literal cold open hey dan do you feel like uh, having watched these episodes you've figured out the formula i mean i i feel like my prediction is basically the same as what i'm going to say now and i'm sure there's obviously a more specific formula you're referring to but like you know you have this idea of like what the criminal is or the crime and then it like it gets flipped when they like figure out they do some detective work and they figure out what the real problem is because like obviously in this episode it starts with like a dead baby like frozen that's like in the in, left in the hospital and like 
they're going to try to find the mother who's like nowhere to be found. And you're or we like, have a think- plot synopsis from IMDb. Do you want to read that? Oh, sure. So a baby is found frozen to death and abandoned at a nearby hospital. Soretta and Logan are first at first are uh, led to believe that the baby was killed out of negligence, then discover that the building where the death took place is nearly empty with only a few tenants and no heat. The investigation soon leads to a slumlord and a violent ex-con who had been harassing the tenants into moving out of the building out of greed. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it, it obviously like gets deeper than that as well. Um, so there's a little, some, some twists and turns there. I was actually surprised how um, it wasn't as like an, I, I just thought it was gonna be like an obvious criminal type of thing, but they were like, oh no, it's like the real villain is like, capitalism and greed which i was like oh that's interesting like i didn't expect that out of this show a little political yeah um and like we'll we'll get to it later but like you know another episode like there's some like union talk and like you know pros and cons of that so it gets a little more political in a different episode not like you know beat you over the head political um but yeah there's some some stances taken in this show and also i mean even just from a you know broader sense what you can generally say is that all right first half is the cops second half is the lawyers there's a cold open where they discover a body first half is investigating it they catch the guy by the end of the first half hour the second half is the trial and by the end of the show they are usually dealing with something that has taken them kind of far afield of whatever the first opening crime is like a Simpsons episode. The opening scene isn't the same thing as what they're dealing with by the end. There's twists, you know, also kind of predictable at this point in law and order, which will be more uh, relevant to the next episode we do. If there is a guest star who is a famous person who you recognize, they did it. Okay. Yeah, and so let's talk about our two detectives in this episode, which is uh, Soretta and Logan. Did you yeah, recognize Paul, them? Paul C- or Servino, I recognize like right away. I mean, I recognize both of them, but really Paul Servino. I mean, he's been a bunch of like, you know, Italian mobster movies and other roles like that. I got to turn my back on you now. Yeah. Uh, so he was great. Um, I, I liked him seeing him a lot. I thought it was amusing that neither of them they like cops in New York and just like no Spanish skills at all. Well, I mean, it's 1991. Yeah, yeah. So. 1991, dude. Speaking of 1991, a lot of this uh, episode turns on a Manhattan building where the tenants. So let me look at my notes here. So it's a building. I At first I thought it was third Ave, but I think they said East third street. And some of the tenants, granted, this is like a slum building. It would not be one now. It'll be totally gentrified. They had their places for $230 a month. I mean, that place was a slum. Yeah, but like, no wonder the lady was trying to drive them out. You spruce that place up. She could be making like $3,000 a month on those apartments. Right. But Chris Noth, do you recognize him from anything i i did recognize him i'm not sure what i recognize him from though oh not a big fan of sex in the city then oh he's mr big he is mr big yes. yeah i didn't i 
I remember that now. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I didn't watch, a, I haven't watched a lot of sex in the city, but I've seen episodes. Um, and I did know that character. Okay. Another part of the formula is that you always get a quip before the music kicks in. Yeah. And I believe you liked the music, Dan. I did. It was like, it, you know, it was, I forget what I texted you specifically, but it was, it was a banger. It slapped. Yeah. That's what you texted me. Yeah. Now, I want to know if you noticed this, Dan. A key trope of Law & Order, particularly during the cops segment, is that when the cops are interviewing people about a murder or the death of somebody, no one is ever impressed. Like, the who would be impressed, do you mean? Like, who's not impressed? It is always the case that they're talking to someone these are like the murder police and they're talking to someone about a dead person and whoever it is they're talking to cannot stop what they're doing oh yeah i mean like right away even at the like it was like a church or like a you know somewhere where they watched lots of kids you know the lady had like no time. It was like, oh, is it, is it this other dead baby? Like kind of thing. Like, oh, that was, was like, a funny runner in this one where it's just like, how many dead babies are there in this city? Yeah. 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 So, so yeah, like no one's like, it's not, a, I mean, it must be a New York thing. Just murders all the time. I don't know. But also there are like multiple comedy bits about this where it's just like wh- whoever's being interviewed by the cops, they don't stop working they're always just like hauling boxes and don't stop hauling the boxes. They're just sort of like, oh, yeah, I remember him. Yeah, kept to himself. But, you know, that's all I remember. Can I keep hauling these boxes now? That's such like a I feel like that's such a theater thing. It's like yeah. you got to keep like keep moving. So it's like it's visually appealing. Mm. But like you don't necessarily have to do that in a TV show because you can like make, you know, the frame interesting in other ways. <laughs> yeah yeah well i mean the thing about law and order is that um it casts so many people pretty much every single actor who is a working actor in new york will have moved through law and order at some point so you'll probably get like every working theater actor doing a gig on law and order at some point yeah so it comes naturally um but we get some pretty efficient detective work i think Oh yeah, it was, it was it was impressive. One step at a time. Did it uh, appeal to you as a uh, a viewer? The show, or at least this first half, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. I I was I was uh, I was interested right away. Any commentary on what you're seeing, just uh, artistically? I mean, it was just like it's a quick paced kind of show. It just like moves through it. Like you get the interesting plots and like you know the you know it, it's it's efficient. With its yes. work. The police work is like they go, they take it one step at a time. This leads to this, leads to this. Leads to, it's it's good detective work. Yeah. I will say too, it's like this show I noticed has been heavily parried, parodied. Like I recognized a lot of stuff from this. Oh, know? yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. This is like seeped into the culture a lot. Very much so. Yes. And to make it clear because i'm not sure if i'm going to include it from the first half you do recognize the sound oh yeah i like i knew it right away i was just like i just just wasn't coming to my head i was like i know that that's that sound 
Okay. So we get our arrest and we move over into part two, which is our lawyers section. Do you recognize either of these guys? Oh, I don't think so. I'd have to like see their faces again. But no, they didn't like stand out. Yeah, these guys are a little less famous. Michael Moriarty, though, you might recognize as being the star of the uh, very excellent B-horror movie, The Stuff. Oh, no, I never saw that. Oh, highly recommended. Yeah, so he's not the Sherlock villain. <laughs> different different Moriarty. Okay, yeah. yeah. He's an American and, cousin. Yeah. Right, yeah. Not to be confused with our American cousin, the play that Abraham Lincoln was doing <laughs> when he was assassinated. Right. This episode had actually some pretty intricate legal wrangling. Yeah, I'd actually, I'm almost, I was like, throughout was curious if any of this holds up or if it's just like total TV law bullshit. Um, a little of column A and a little of column B. Yeah, I mean, obviously in any TV show, they're going to like take some liberties to make things more interesting. But like, you know, you'd still like it to be like grounded in reality. Right. I will say that this episode has one of the major law and order tropes that comes up again and again that is absolute total bullshit, which is uh, an attorney saying something that you are totally not allowed to say or do in a trial, the judge getting mad. Okay, yeah. And then do you do you know what I'm going to say? Well, um. <clears throat> excuse me uh let me apologize i uh i definitely have a, i feel like every time i do this podcast i get a cold but uh yeah like he, i forget the word but he's like um like the lawyer will say something and like you know retracted retracted like immediately withdrawn withdrawn that's yeah that's what it was yeah law and order is famous for this yeah withdrawn yeah you can't do that yeah because then it's just like planting in their heads well, what yeah. would happen if you do, I mean, so that's the thing though. Like what happens if you do do it by accident, obviously that, you know, do they just, and I, is it just, Hey jury disregard that statement. Is that all it is? Cause that's hard to do on the severity of what you've done. Yeah. So it could be something where it's just the judge will instruct the jury to disregard the statement. It could be something bad enough where you've laid the seeds for a mistrial. But in any case, what you are doing is going to get the judge really fucking mad at you. It's incredibly unprofessional behavior. So you're not going to actually do that sort of thing. And if you do it enough, you are playing with fire with your um reputation you know you could be uh you know it, it it could wind up affecting your status uh with the bar right if you do it enough so you're not actually going to get and it's also it's the kind of like theatrical tv bullshit that you're going to see on tv because it's very dramatic but yeah. you won't see it in real life right so that makes sense but it does make for a good dramatic moment. Oh, so good. Right? It was very effective <laughs> yeah. in this. We do that all the time. <laughs> yeah. 
what I did find was very interesting with this episode, actually, was that there was a very straightforward trial. A lot of times in Law and Order, you kind of just get uh, a lot of the backroom stuff, de- the deal, you know, the negotiation and the dealings around the trial, and then you just get kind of clips of the highlights of the trial. This yeah. one, you saw a pretty fair amount of the trial. We well, saw my guess is so. Again, I haven't watched a lot of the show, but I just I had a quick theory on that for this episode in particular. It's because. The first, they had to do the trial twice. Yes. Because yeah. there was There's a mistrial. mistrial because of the mistranslation. Did you follow what happened there? Yeah. I, I mean, I actually sort of missed the exact intricacy of like what was said differently. But um, I just know the, when the translator told the super, like when the super was on the stand and he said like if he was ordered or not to like, turn off the heat or not he like the translator mistranslated it and then one of the jurors who's a fluent spanish speaker just told the rest of the jury what you know what the super actually said um and so understandably it could like you know that's a big deal yeah the key thing is that uh, a juror can't give evidence to other jurors so it it tainted the jury deliberation. Right. So, but you sort that, of can't blame the jury either. Right? No, no, it was a perfectly okay. natural thing for a regular person to do. You know, it's it's not his fault. Yeah, I mean it's the translator's fault. Right. You know, it just it's one of those things, you know. The problem with a mistrial is that you would think it's no big deal because like, well, you just do it again. But trials are difficult things to do. You know, people have lives and trials are difficult. They don't take place in 30 minutes like on a TV show. They're difficult, traumatic things to go through. People, you know, they take months or years. People don't like doing them, you know, and, you know, they might not want to have to go through that again. You're not sure if people could move away or you might not get everyone back a second time. So, you know. If there's a mistrial, you might not wit, you know, you might not get it the second time. So they want to try and take care of it uh, some other way before having to try a second time. So they set up a sting to try and catch a crooked building inspector, and it's a good thing for them that this guy is like aggressively dirty. Right. Oh yeah. I mean, he like literally just asks for it. I, I know it's kind of funny. And so that all works out. They catch the dirty inspector and everything works out fine. Uh, This episode was a little strange. There was like a note at the end of the episode where they're like, and then everything worked out okay. And I thought it was weird because, you know, it's a fictional story. So. Right. Does it matter? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) A little bizarre for Law and Order, but that was the end of this episode. So what did you. uh, So what do you think? This is a. A very early episode. It's season two of Law and Order. So what did you think of this very um kind of early days episode? I thought it was good. It was like it was something to be like, oh, yeah, I'd, you know, if I was like looking for something on TV, I'd be like, I'd watch one of those. Yeah, that was yeah it was the, the show in a very pure state. Right. Also, 1991. Jesus Christ. Yeah. And, and held up, you know, cool, cool, cool. 
Well, now we move on to season 18, episode 16, Strike. And this is like a whole new era with everything completely different. Not for nothing, cell phones enter the picture in this, which makes everything different. Do you want to read the synopsis for this episode? Sure. Um, Detectives Lupo and Bernard investigate the murder of paralegal Frank Dresner who was run over by a car while picketing during the strike of public defenders. CCTV footage leads them to Ted Sanderson, who is wrongfully convicted of murdering his wife and recently exonerated after nine years in prison thanks to DNA evidence. There's little doubt that Sanderson was at the courthouse where Dresner was run over, but when no one is available to represent him at his, at his arraignment, the presiding judge orders ADA Connie uh, Ruberosa to step across the other side and represent him. When Sanderson insists that she continue as his attorney, she finds herself going up against ADA Michael Cutter and doing a very good job of it. When she discovers that the victim was Sanderson's former friend who may have also had an affair with Sanderson's dead wife, she begins to wonder if she can advise her client with the impartiality that is needed. So this one kind of revolves a little bit less of the standard thing and a little bit more of an ethical question for one of our characters. So... Slightly atypical, but still a law and order. But yeah. we've got so is stars that, in this one. Yeah, is go that ahead. even possible? That and and obviously they set it up in like a weird circumstance that the lawyers are on strike. So because obviously there'd just normally be tons of public defenders around or whatever. But you know, could someone who'd worked on the case as a prosecutor legally? like switch sides like that yeah look i I don't want to i have never worked in the new york criminal justice system so i don't want to say sure it's impossible but in my experience that is one of the most outrageous things (laughs) i've ever seen um if they had no choice and they just had to get someone from the prosecutor's office to work for the other side, they would find someone who had not worked on that case. Right. That's what I was thinking too. But either way, I mean, it's just, it was a, it's a, I don't know if it's a trope so much because I, I can't think of any examples of some this happening somewhere else, but it was like this idea of, oh, this will be interesting of like, we're going to, sh- she's, she, she's going to flip sides and like do a really good job and like, yeah, blow everyone out of the water. And it's like, right. oh man, like, you know, glad she's on our team normally kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, and, Al- the- and Alana or Elena or whatever her name is, was great in this episode. Yes. That's she name, she right? does do a really good job. Um, her name is Alana de la Garza. Is the yeah. actress's name? Yeah, she stood out in this episode a lot. And Ruberosa is the character's name. Uh, she did stand out. She stood out for another reason. I mean, she was beautiful. Is that Was that part of the trope of the... Sort of. So, yeah. I don't know if you noticed, but in the season two episode, pretty much all the characters were men. Oh. Uh, well, besides the, like, the bitchy... Uh, like a building owner well she was like a guest star yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. but all the like you know 
the actual like regulars are men and that might have been accurate and gritty and stuff but over time they got notes from you know the yeah they definitely needed some female like, we need some characters. women on this show so among the people they brought in were um Essie Patha Merkerson to be the lieutenant who ran things on the cop side and Jack McCoy's revolving door of super hot assistant district attorneys who constantly were showing up. And so uh, Ruberosa is just the continuing uh, trope of hot uh, lawyers right. to be working on the order side there. Yeah. And actually just, you know, and this is a trope for all TV, you find that it, you sometimes have shows, especially like a crime show or a, a doctor show, all these shows that start with like a, a blue collar conceit where they start off kind of gritty, but as it becomes more high profile and successful, all the characters start getting a little more beautiful. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a thing. I mean, that's just that's uh, that's Hollywood there from it's just TV. The, yeah, the natural evolution of, of shows. Right. So you see here in season 18, everyone's just a little a little hotter, even the men. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so, you know, and everyone's more recognizable. So we had Anthony Anderson as one of the uh, one of the cops. Uh, Jeremy Sisto is the other one. Did you I recognize rec the um, the uh, the villain, too? Yes, you did. Do you know where from? Uh, um, uh, not off the top of my head, but I definitely recognized him. I feel like I've seen him more than once, too. Yeah, his name is Brad William Henke, if I'm pronouncing that right. You would have recognized him from a show that you mentioned in part one, as a matter of fact. Oh, Oh, geez, I don't even remember what I met I mentioned. You mentioned Justified, where he played the dumb brother right. from the Bennett family. Right. Yes. Coover. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, that's crazy. He does tend to play kind of big dumb guys, right? Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> He's also on uh, Orange is the New Black and... Oh, yeah, I've so I watched that show, so that's probably where I've seen him from. Um, I just Google... I just IMDb'd him. I actually... He was, in uh, he was in Dexter. Oh, was he? I don't remember that. But um, uh, coincidentally, after we were finished, I was flipping channels and wound up watching that movie Draft Day. Oh, He's yeah? in that. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> he's in... He's in Space Jam. <laughs> oh, that's too bad. Oh, man. So, yeah, he was good. Yeah, he is. So we had a little bit more um, detective work. I like how they had, I don't know if this was a deliberate kind of tease of CSI, but they have a bit where they're trying to figure stuff out about sand. And, you know, they get the, C the CSI people for yeah. the New York department and they're like can you figure anything out about the sand and they're like it's, it's sand. sand yeah although they do ultimately figure out it's golf course sand right which leads them to this exonerated ex-con who's our guy uh brad william henke who's playing ted sanderson mm -hmm. he seems a little slow you know what i mean yeah i mean 
I don't think he's no. I mean, I don't think he's like slow in, the, in these like mentally disabled sort of way, because he was actually very clever. So like, at, I was actually sort of fooled by the exact direction they took it. Um, that it turned out he was like, you know, I knew he wasn't a good guy. I couldn't figure out like what the the flip was going to be, so to speak. Yeah. Um, to tell you the truth, I got a little bit lost in all the twists and turns yeah, was of a this lot. one. I'll tell you why I picked this one. I picked this one because at one point uh, they visit the judge from his original case who is all like upset that she sentenced what she believed to be was an innocent man. Yeah. That's my aunt. Really? Yeah. Oh, well, that's yeah. amazing. Well, sort of, except remember, every actor in New York winds up on Law & Order at that's some point cool. or another. That's still cool. Yeah. But so that's why I picked this one. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. She um, was like very aggressive. Well, she was mad. Yeah, she was pissed. Yeah. Super pissed. We also get wrong. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. He was uh, playing everybody. Yeah, I mean, that would be hard. That's a hard case to prove. I mean, he had a, that was a good alibi. Someone else's DNA under the fingernails, you know? Oh, it's super clever. But um, not too much more to say about this one other than the fact that, you know, uh, Ruberos is incredibly zealous in her uh, initial defense of the guy until she winds up discovering that he is, in fact, guilty. So she has no, no, no. So here's the thing: it's not that he's. I think she always thought, or maybe she briefly didn't, but like always thought he was guilty of killing the guy at the courthouse. But he's guilty I, of killing the wife, right? Because like that's the thing. Because it's like you could almost just so to set, to refresh our listeners like on this episode here, the guy he killed at the courthouse. What we are led to believe is he slept with his wife and killed his wife, and he wrongly was put in jail for that murder for nine years. Okay? And so we're like, okay, he's denying he killed him, but, like, he killed him. But, like, you can sort of see it being justified in a way that you're not like, this guy is just, like, a horrible murderer you know, in the traditional, like, evil sense. But then it turns out, she figures out on her own that he worked with the guy that killed his wife, and it wasn't, that wasn't the person she was having the affair with. And so they were in cahoots, and he killed him uh, so he wouldn't get, uh, like, caught, basically. So he's obviously, like, a very evil guy. And so I thought that was an interesting sort of thing. And it really kind of highlighted like the ethics of law, which is like a kind of a fun concept to think about, especially I imagine if you're a lawyer and like what you do in that situation and things like that. And like what the ethical thing to do is knowing if you're like getting off this guy who is a killer, right? Um, So what do you do in the same situation? I think she, I think she handled it right. I mean, she did sort of convince him to take a plea um, when she could have, like, fought for him totally. Um, Although she convinces him to do it by... There is the subtle suggestion that they're going to lose the case and that she says she's going to fight 
as hard as she can, but you know, his suspicion is that she won't. Right. So it was sort of like a. I mean, I didn't mind it because it was like kind of an interesting um, episode, but like it was sort of a cop out for like the writers to take, where you're like you sort of have it both ways a little bit, like yeah. they sort of split the difference. Yeah. Because uh, they didn't want to like let the murderer off, which would have been sort of the, you know, most, most interesting, most interesting, like and really put the sort of like legal ethical question like in stark contrast have like it weigh on her conscience yeah yeah and this would this sort of like it I, I don't know why but it sort of made me think of like how many um there's like the the um the twitter thing like uh bad legal takes they would yep. have had so many bad legal takes about this episode because like some i mean someone would have argued that like how could you defend a murderer or something like that and you're like well the point of you know our legal system and like how it works is like you do have to defend people who are wrong and like you know and she doesn't know that he's guilty she just strongly suspects right i mean but it's it's like almost it's pretty clear but here's the thing like you know just like again asking you and i know you're not like a you know murder defense lawyer but like um you know people who are murder defense lawyers like they must know their clients are like are guilty all the time like it's fun like if i was like going you know on trial for a murder that i say i committed right like wouldn't it be useful for me to tell my lawyer like if i did it and all the true details of it so he can he or she could make make the best case to get me off or should you not even tell your lawyer that you can't lie when you are presenting the case but the point of our system is that everybody is entitled to a vigorous defense. Right. I mean, obviously, like, mob lawyers are real things, right? And they know their clients are guilty, right? Well, mob lawyers are, uh, you know, sometimes accused of engaging in unethical behavior. Well, sure. I, the, I don't the, mean the, the ones point, that are the, like... The, the point is that everybody is entitled to a defense. Even the guilty. Yeah. And the knowingly guilty, like, right? You get represented, and you get represented to the fullest extent of the law. And and again, I like I don't know, I I'm sure a lot of people disagree with this, but I don't think it's bad for lawyers to do that. No, it isn't bad for lawyers to do that. Right. Again, they can't lie, you know. So if you are guilty, they can't get up there and say that you're innocent, but they can represent you as vigorously as they can. Well, so that's interesting. Like, so couldn't you just like ask the lawyer if he's guilty or innocent? No, because that's privileged. Well, right. So again, because I guess you're not trying, you don't have to prove innocence anyway, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, I thought it was an interesting like sort of meta ethical question about like, you know, law and order, right? Aside from just like the interesting part of the case like the this kind of flavor of the week yeah yeah it's a slightly different episode and it was not half bad especially for late period okay and so that leads us to a different form of law and order wow which what is a S- change svu yeah i can see how this became a popular thing but 
it's so ridiculous. And I, I don't know if this episode is representative, but it was outrageous. It kind of is. I picked this one because it made a strong impression on me. I remembered this episode since the day I saw it. Yeah. And I think you can understand why. Yeah. I said the first episode we saw not dated this episode. Very dated. (laughs) (laughs) Would not be made today. No. Let's tell people problematic. (laughs) Oh, my God. Content. (laughs) Let's tell people what we watched. So. Right, you want to was... read this one? It's a short one. Okay, this is the SVU episode, season five, episode 20, called Lowdown. <clears throat> when the death of a prosecutor is staged using information gleaned from a co-worker's caseload, Novak endangers her career to obtain a confession. Now, damn. That doesn't do it justice, first of all. This is a very silly episode yeah i was i I laughed a lot during it (laughs) let's talk about svu in general for a second how do you find svu to be different from og law and order well it's obviously about sex cases which are more like titillating and so there's like into like more sort of outrageous territory with stuff like that i mean again i only watched one episode of it Mm mm-hmm um does so it surprise I, you to find that svu remains extremely popular whereas original law and order is no longer on the air i didn't know it was no longer on the air um but it doesn't surprise me that svu is popular because it's very like popcorny and like you know just kind of fun um where original law and order again not that it's like this like super deep show but it definitely made me like you know, think more deeply about certain issues and things like that. And like sort of tackled some like politicized problems and things like that. Uh, where SVU is just like, okay, let's like have this like outrageous sex acts and like, you know, kind of like interesting kind of characters and things that are like over the top. And like, you can play into that and it's just like kind of silly and fun and like, you know, titillating for everything. You know, people wa- like watching sex and violence on TV, right? This is like exactly what that is. Did you like Chris Maloney? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Everyone likes Chris Maloney. Yeah. There's, yeah. I mean, so many, I recognize so many of these actors too. I mean, obviously Ice-T that we talked about. The football player, I recognized him. I was sure trying to figure out like who he was. Yeah, I don't know who he is. Uh, you know what it was? I recently watched a show on HBO or Netflix. It was called Jet. Anyway, it was it's okay. And he was on that. So I recognize him from that. I should have said earlier that um the character of Lenny Briscoe from Original Law and Order was so popular as a mainstay of primetime television that uh there is a street in New York City called Jerry Orbach Street. Oh, wow. Yeah. They renamed it in his honor. One of the things that um, this episode and the things that happen in it, and actually some of the behavior in the last Law and Order episode that you saw might show you another trope of Law and Order, which is that Law and Order has been accused of being something called copaganda. 
Oh, I feel like that's a lot of cop shows, right? It is, but prior to Law and Order, most legal shows focused on the defense. So the defense attorneys were always the heroes. So like Perry Mason, Matlock, you know, the guys defending the wrongfully accused. Right. They were the good guys. But starting with Law and Order, and basically since Law and Order, it's the prosecutors who are the good guys, and the defense attorneys are these sleazy, underhanded bad guys who are using these goddamn like rights to get in the way of justice. That was and, very obvious in the strike episode. Yeah, remember when um, Anthony Anderson used the uh, that little clever trick? Oh, actually, I was not even thinking of the strike in both episodes, but the, I was actually thinking of the one that was representing the the like the slumlords. He was the real like weasel. Oh yeah, yeah yeah. Well, so anyway, yeah, uh, SVU gets really bad with this over time. Chris Maloney, um, in particular, is uh, well, he pushes the boundaries of the things a cop should do quite often, but it's always because. These sex predators, Dan, are real scumbags, and they're always hiding behind these goddamn rights all the time that they just got to find these clever ways of getting around them, you know? Right, right. It's really easy to, like, kind of push that when it's like a sex offender, or like rapist or something. It is, isn't it? Well, so anyway, let's talk about this episode. So right off the bat, you can tell it's a little bit more sexual. Right. We got prostitutes right away we have um and i quote this is not me saying this but tranny prostitutes yeah Uh, so that like right away there's a lot of language in this episode we get tranny a lot i believe the term he she's is used yeah interestingly though uh in this episode it's used largely to refer to transvestites they say transvestite a lot which is not how uh that ju- that word just kind of fell out of circulation. Yeah, I mean, it's like there's it's beyond my pay grade, but there's a lot of like, you know, sort of debate within the commu- that community of like what is appropriate to say and like what who goes by what and things like that. Like, mm. you know, the difference between like drag queens and transvestites and transgender people, you know, like all these things are it gets very complicated. Um, these cops, but yeah, transvestite, you don't hear very often anymore. It's like sort of somewhat of an antiquated term, although I'm sure some people still use it. Uh, and I don't mean just pejoratively. Yeah. And the point is these cops don't care. They're just looking to get their guy. Right. I mean, this, this, what is this like early two thousands? When did this come out? Yeah. Early mid two thousands. Yeah. And we get a dead DA is the point. So this is like a huge deal. Uh, in the newspapers, we get the headline "Murdered DA in Gay Sex Slay," which sounds like the New York Post. Yeah. So, another subplot is that uh, this guy used to date Mariska Haggerty's character, Olivia Benson. So she has to get tested for HIV because and it's like a huge deal. That's yeah, like you know, AIDS is like was very scary in this episode. Yeah, um, and th- you notice that they're constantly trying to make sure that it stays off of the uh, the record keeping of the department. Yeah, like it, it would be like career ending if 
she had it or something like that. One thing about SVU is that it's a little less episode of the week than regular Law and Order, slightly more serialized, slightly more interested in the personal lives of its characters. Oh, you know, right. so you get plots like this about, oh, Benson has to deal with maybe having HIV and like, what's that going to be like in her personal life? And that kind of you was know. the guy who ended up um, being responsible. Was he an actual regular character or was he a one off? He was a one off. OK, but, you know, like uh, you, you get like uh, Chris Maloney's family showing up in episodes, you know, like the characters are expanded upon in this show in a way that they never are on law and order. Yeah. The point is this guy was killed and it starts to look like uh, another DA that he worked with did it, but he's got this alibi. He was at a poker game. Yeah. But it turns out as they're interviewing all these dudes to check the alibi, a lot of really handsome dudes going to this poker game. Yeah. So uh, we'll set it up. It's like the, it's the, it's like a, like a black guy's hangout and they're all very attractive. And then Ice-T comes in to explain what's really going on. And he's got a great, great line. He's got the best lines in this episode. There's multiple cases. I, I wrote a couple down. If you want me to read them or not, but I very much do. Yeah. So they're trying to figure out what the deals with this poker game because they're like they're like married, and so like they can't be gay, right? And so Ice T, and he gives the in this line is what gives this the episode its title, I believe, or 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 at least it's around this time. But he's like, uh, it's different for black men. They go out, have sex with other men, then come home, have sex with their women, and pretend they're straight. And then, like, everyone looks at him, like, funny. Because, and he's like, don't look at me. I just know stuff. <laughs> and, like, really, you got to listen to Ice-T to it. because he, he's It's amazing. Uh, but he, at some point, jeez, uh, I guess I didn't write it down. But he's like, he's like, I'm going to give you the lowdown or something. It's called, like, I forget what it was. But he says the lowdown word somewhere. Damn. No, I no, no. It's called being on the down low. Oh, it's called being on the down low. That's what it is. Yeah. And so it's like, a, I guess it's a black man thing. I mean, right. so there because is because like being this, gay like, is a white man's affliction. Right. And like, there is like this, like sort of like big homophobia thing within like black masculine culture. Right. And so like, you know, I don't know if this is like at all, like, you know, a thing that happened or happens, but like, like ice tea, he he's 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 spitting the truth to these other prosecutors so he's they know explaining what's going it for on. everyone this is also the rare case where ice t knows more than everybody else okay yeah there's an entire john mulaney bit about how in a lot of episodes it's about other characters explaining things to ice t but in this one you get the reverse yeah and then so late and so later he's got another great line, a little setup. I don't know. Mm -hmm. So he's talking to the football player. And I have remembered this conversation for years. Oh, it's it's amazing. 
Um, so the football player, you know, so he was at these poker games and, uh, you know, he's got his own business now. It's not in the league anymore. And he's like, he's talking, it's him and Ice-T. And he's like, man, I'm not gay. I have relationships with women and sex with men. <laughs> <laughs> and then Ice-T, and then Ice-T Stone Cold goes, I got news for you. That means you're gay. And then <laughs> deeper healing music happens. <laughs> like it's this like shocking revelation to the football player. It's like, oh man, I don't know if you can clip the audio into this podcast. I'll look but, for uh, it. Yeah, yeah, see if you can. It, it is on YouTube. I found it again. So if you just, I'll put it, it in the show notes so that you can yeah, see it for yourself. Dan, I have remembered that interaction for years. Yeah, let's do it again. Let's I, do it again. All right, I, I will. I'll be the football player. Okay, I'm not gay. I have relationships with women and sex with men. I got news for you. That means you're gay. Oh, and then we need the deep revealing music. Duh. And it's like the guy, the football player's like, he's like shocked by this. Yes. Like he's like, <laughs> you know, what do you mean? I have sex with men, like, but I have relationships with women. So obviously I'm not gay. And like no one's ever said what, you, that's well what happens right yeah. after that is that ice t threatens him he's like listen dude if you don't help us with this case i am going to drag your personal life out into public for the whole world to see so you know it's uh he, he does him a little dirty right but anyway but I mean, the, guy, not... the guy was like co- help covering up a murder so i don't really feel horrible <laughs> right right fair yeah, enough it's not like he's just outing him for no reason but it's not the uh, most unethical thing that happens in this episode, which is, of course, what happens later. The oh, scenario yeah. is the assistant prosecutor who actually did the murder is being held. He is married and his wife comes to the station and wants to know what the hell is going on. They are not allowed to tell the wife what is going on because a lot of it revolves around these people's personal medical status such as their hiv status but kim novak the uh the prosecutor who's actually leading this case walks up to her and just says by the way you should get yourself tested for hiv because the guy who was killed had HIV. Your husband was having sex with him, and he has HIV. And that is an unbelievable ethical violation. This is like this is like that thing I was telling you about withdrawn yeah. taken to well, but, the but here's the thing degree. though. Yeah, but here's the thing. They do treat it like it's a big deal. They do, but she still gets away with it in the end. No, that's true. Yeah, yeah. That's I was that was it was another kind of cop out. She 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 could she could really be disbarred for what she did. Yeah. But it does raise an interesting ethical question again. Cause it's like how could you not tell someone that they're you can, you're not allowed to. No, I know you're not. I know you're not. But like just for a regular person like so as a you know, just a person watching this episode. You like want to take her side, right? You're like, she could save this woman's life, you know, or whatever. 
it's not her place. No, I understand. But like you understand why it's like makes an interesting ethical question for somebody. You know, the the guy's doctor would have the same ethical question. You know, it's just these are the laws exist for a reason. You have to follow them. You are an officer of the court. You know, you can't let your personal feelings make these decisions for you. Otherwise, there's chaos. And she suffers essentially no consequences for this. And, you know, this doesn't exist in a vacuum either. Like if if this was if the whole episode turned on her dealing with the fallout of what she'd done and like, you know, she suffered some kind of consequence, that'd be one thing. But like in law and order, these lines are crossed regularly and they constantly get away with them. So that's a little bit more of uh, what I'm talking. And that's why the show is kind of copaganda, you know, because you watch it and you're like, well, in the end, she did the right thing and she got away with it. So, you know, it it cumulatively, the show really stacks the deck. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that's like the most egregious of things, but like, I mean, I mean, to the bar tell that to the bar well sure but i mean like for copagandist purpose i'm talking oh, about yeah, like, well, you know what i mean like it's not like planting evidence or like you know just doing it because she wasn't like trying to do it to get the bad guy she was doing it, it did like, wind help. up being very helpful for her case sort of i mean yeah i, I mean i guess because because the wife convinced him to take that deal but i also it was interesting that they chose to write it this way. What was the language that she used to convince her husband to take the deal? Um, you- was it just about like he, her and her kid wanted to like live a normal life and they didn't want it to like be in the news, right? Yeah. Well, so she comes to him and she says, I can forgive you for everything that you've done. You know, the fact that you've given me HIV, the fact that you've killed this person, that you've lied to me, that I can forgive you for everything. But what I won't be able to forgive you for is if you take this to trial and make a public spectacle of all of this. I need you to admit what you've done and take this plea deal. And the specific phrasing of what she says then is, I'm asking you to be a man. Oh, I mean, I... Within the context of what we're talking about, that's very loaded language. That is loaded. I didn't notice that at the time because it's like such a common sort of phrase. And I'd I'd be curious if the writers were trying to like kind of layer that. Oh, come on. Load it up. I mean, they must have been, right? Yeah, Yeah. I guess. But I I I I didn't notice that at the time. That's interesting. Yeah. Definitely very loaded. Yeah. Yeah. But it was also interesting, like, you know, aside from like the salacious, it's not like really a, you know, a deep, thoughtful treatment on like, you know, black men and homosexuality and like all these like, you know, interesting questions is like, were they like, did he like love? I mean, it seems like he loved his wife, right? And like, he was obviously gay, or at least, you know, bisexual, right? Um, and like he had sex with his wife and like she didn't want to believe that he was gay at all, you know, like, and so it was, it does, it did kind of like raise the question to me just in my head of like, you know, the, how 
love has like different forms and things like that. And like, I don't know, that was kind of just like an interesting side. And again, it's not like the episode, it really explored this, but I was like, Oh, that's kind of an interesting, like thoughtful thing that you could, could explore in like a deeper way if you wanted to. Yeah. They did a fair amount in the what 45 minutes that they had. Yeah. I mean, I think really they were just trying to get across that these guys were all kind of frauds in terms of their like, relationships with the women it's well like um, what what i think it was is and this will bring up kind of one of the last things about law and order that um is a trope is i asked you in the first part uh how did they come up with their ideas and none of the episodes that we did is really very representative of this but the thing that law and order is famous for doing and the phrase that they are famous for using in their advertising is uh they take stories that are ripped from the headlines so i mean i did notice in the show they say these are not based on real events though right they have to say that yeah so they'll change them just enough so in the early years of law and order you would get stories that are just like one for one a famous thing that's just been on the news it's just like here's the oj case you know here's the menendez brothers as the show went on a little bit later they started tweaking that a little bit where they would be like okay here's you know a britney spears story but then they would use that as like a trick where it's like you think you now know the story but then they would like tease it somehow so it goes in a different direction that you're thinking it's gonna go but right. it's still the same idea where, like, they're going to rip something from the headlines. Um, and in fact, in 2004, they even got sued for libel by someone because oh. they hewed too close. So, you know, that's do you why know if they, they won. Do you know if they won the case? It was settled out of court. So uh, you can take that as a win or a loss, depending on how you view that. But with this. You know, something like the the phenomenon of black men being on the down low, that's not something that is ripped from the headlines, but it's something where, like, the writer's room heard about this thing, and they were like, well, this is something we could build an episode around, and that's how you get this episode. Yeah. You know? But, I mean, at some level, isn't all writing like that? Fictional, fictional writing? Sure, but there's kind of a you, law and order is formulaic in a way where like you can just like really see how a law and order episode was b- born. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, well, I think we've covered it pretty well here. Do you have anything else you want to say about the shows that we watched or about the show in general? That's probably, I mean, I, I gave most of my, my big thoughts. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, so what did you think of it? Did you wind up liking it in the end? I did like it. And I, again, I wasn't surprised that I liked it. I think I liked it a little more than I thought I would have, but not like, I wasn't like, oh my God, this is like the best show ever or something. But it was like, yeah, this is like a fun show, which is like sort of actually what I thought. I mean, at some level, I, it's just more degree of, if, if anything. Which one did you like more, uh, Original Flavor or SVU? I like the Original Flavor better. And again, I watched two episodes of that and only one episode of the SV- SVU. But I did find SVU 
like fu- like it's it was more, more enjoyable in a different way it's more so like i can see being, i mean it was kind of fun like just like you know the line reading and some some of that and it was like ridiculous it's got and iced it tea like, in it right yeah it was like you know kind of fun in a way yeah um and you can it's a little more shocking you know so like <laughs> yeah. i can see that being appealing yeah definitely i mean uh, svu has good episodes <laughs> i've liked svu as well i would say if you have any interest in watching more law and order find yourself some episodes that feature that classic lineup with jerry orbach and sam waterston because those are peak law and order those are the best ones so if you can basically if you can find anything in the seasons from the episodes i picked out here you know you want seasons like six through 12 you know those are the really really good ones nice yeah well, in that case, I think that's all we've got for this this time around. I'm really glad to have finally introduced you to Law and Order because once again, Dan, the fuck. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, if anyone out there has any uh, comments they'd like to make about this or any other episode, please reach out to us at betterlatethaneverpod at gmail.com or tweet at us at betterlate underscore pod. Dan, great to have you. Thanks for having me, Dave. And we will catch you all next time. Peace. Dun, dun. <laughs>